0: I'm in Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max. Max. Pursuing the RPG hobby with Reckless Abandon. Why hello and welcome to Season 27, Episode 17 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork.
1: I'm Jim Ryan and I'm not dead. And Jim Ryan is not dead! Where have you been, Jim? I don't know. It's been, what, seven years?
0: (laughs) Uh, at least. Yeah. I think it has. I
1: was was here here back in season 11.
0: (laughs) Was it that... Oh, did you go back and look? Yes, it
1: was?
2: (laughs) We were drawing a little bit before we came on, but to be fair, I think you you started this before we did. I mean, you were doing this whole podcast, big cast, RPG thing, like, a year or two before we did.
1: Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. I, I remember getting a, an email from you, uh, from you folks, uh, initially with like a, 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 a sort of a stinger for the beginning of, for the beginning of the great debate, and I was like, "Oh, cool! This looks like an interesting show." And <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you uh, you you uh, and then I, I sort of burned out after episode fifty. <laughs>
2: right. It's, it's hard to believe but that he
1: made it, we're still he here made it ten years later. It's, yeah, it's over a freaking decade, man. That's insane.
0: It is and
1: awesome. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I know,
0: right? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it has to do with the amount of the amount of work that has to go into it. I'll tell you that because <laughs> I remember your show. Oh, yeah. Your show. You did a lot of editing, and mm-hmm. had, there was a lot of post production. I could tell by listening to your show that you had a lot of mm-hmm. post production in it. You wouldn't even cut out. Much.
1: You wouldn't <laughs> even cut <laughs> out
2: gaps <laughs> between words.
1: Yeah, I cut out every um and uh because I, I couldn't stop myself in the editing process. I just kept looking and hearing it over and over, and I couldn't stand any tiniest imperfection in my own voice. And so I had to keep cutting and cutting and cutting. And I, I think I'm a tiny bit better about it now, but it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to let go. Well,
0: you're, doing, are, are, you're streaming APs now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, mostly, I've got a Twitch channel mm-hmm. uh, that I am uh doing. I'm I'm on a little bit of a hiatus from the RPG stuff right this second, but uh, probably in December we're going to kick back up again mm-hmm. uh doing some stuff. Uh yeah, mostly uh Mostly, just it was doing a bunch of one shots, and uh, we're, we've been doing uh, a, a campaign of Dark Matter, the Magehand Press Dark Matter, not the Alternative Dark Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there'll, That's be, obscure. there'll be other stuff coming. Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's mostly it's all been uh, it's all been pretty much the uh, stuff other than core D anD D. Not out of any. Uh, any hatred of D&D itself or anything like that, but mostly just because I'm interested in a bunch of other things, and uh, I, I my attention is all over the place, and I want to basically play every single RPG there is out there before I die.
2: And there are so many <laughs> these days. I mean, when we started 10 years ago, there was, I'm going to say, around 30 or 40, really, and now yeah, it's like that. there are so many, even small ones, big ones. It's amazing.
0: Oh, I, I mean... It, it, as, as soon as everything became electronic publishing, the barrier to entry right. coming out with your own role playing game disappeared.
2: Yeah, I mean drive through RPG. I remember when it yeah. was a novelty and was like, oh, look at these cool little supplements. And now you get on it and you're so overwhelmed and there's so much stuff, uh, which is great. There's a lot of options, a lot of choices. But I mean, I'm using that as sort of a an example of how many RPGs are out there these days and how many people are gaming, which is awesome. It's great for the hobby. But you know, for those of us with analysis paralysis, you're like, "Oh my God, what do I? I want to play a science fiction of the 70 science fiction games here. Which one do I want to use?"
1: <laughs> I ended up doing a spreadsheet up for my channel, and uh, it's uh, it is it is so long, <laughs> so many names, such a long list on there. It's too much. <laughs> I will never get to them all.
0: About right. Right, uh, in this episode of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Dave in D.C. sends an email about convention GMing and a question. That that will one day be relevant again. Uh, Jolene asks about clans in Vampire versus Legend of the Five Rings, and, and Anonymous sends us a horror story. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Low on emails. Send them in. Happy Jacks RPG at gmail.com. We have social meteors. Uh, Happy Jacks RPG, all in wood. All one word, Happy Jack's RPG on Twitter, Instagram. Are you Facebook. saying all
2: one word? as All one, one word.
0: word. I was saying all one. <laughs> and, 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 and. I'm, you know what I'm thinking about right now is the is the braised short ribs that are slow roasting in my oven right now at 275 what, what are you
2: degrees. Celebrating that you're making short ribs.
0: I, they're in my <laughs> refrigerator and they go bad tomorrow. That's what I'm celebrating. <laughs> I'm like. Oh, I'm not going to these, these live that are far not going to I may
2: have to come by for some ribs today.
0: <laughs> they're just a little they're the little ones. The little ones about that big. I know. Not big. Big. Um, uh, anyway, social media Happy Jacks RPG on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and MeWe. and I'm am ba- back on MeWe, So I go on there a couple times a day. I'm I'm not really posting anything, but I'm on there I'm on there. And also you can watch us live at slash live at on Saturdays at 11 um, 8 p.m. a.m am morning uh, on Saturdays we're probably, on Saturdays for a while
2: that may move again it, it is
0: it is gonna move I'm gonna I'm guessing we're probably gonna go back to Fridays by the end of the uh, next year maybe a little sooner I don't know left. it's just everybody's so busy it's just easier it's just it's kind of easier because when I drive home and, and Friday night traffic on the way home is always a pain in the ass anyway and it's like oh, so so you know how it is. No, since it's been so long since you've been on, Jim, you want to read the first email?
1: Uh, sure. Okay. I shall be delighted to, sir. All right. Convention GMing and a question from Dave in D.C. I'm now going to just rearrange my window real quick so that it looks like I'm looking almost at the camera, but not quite. Here oh, we go.
0: It sounds like you got a teleprompter.
1: I have. I have. He multiple. <laughs> <laughs> and i got to go back to my broadcasting training. Okay, here we go. Get ahead. Let's see if we can do it. Uh, Dear Stu and the rest of the Happy Jacks crew. Dave from DC here, longtime listener and first-time writer. Thank you all for the great RPG content, both actual plays and the advice show. Both types of content are welcome divisions in these days of COVID-19, which seems to not end and continue to negatively affect the ability for in-person games and conventions. Listening to your podcast over the years convinced me to start GMing games at conventions back when we had them. I just came to the realization that if no one is willing to GM games at conventions then there will be no games for people to play at conventions.
2: You know, so, ah. note, that's the reason Stu started this podcast, is that he realized that there was a dearth of GMs, and he realized that if there's no one to GM, there's no games to be run. That's right. Et cetera, et cetera. So that's really what you're bringing up right there, is the real reason that Stu started this ten years ago. Or more.
1: <laughs> Eleven. You, you got to have the asses in the seats in order to actually do anything.
0: Right, absolutely. Um,
1: Amen. I run games, uh, he continues, under the general theme of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at my local convention, 1D4Con, and at Origins and Gen Con. Uh, Based more on the comics, I find that it easily helps sell the game to potential players since many are interested in Marvel Comics as an IP, and even if only familiar with the movies, they know what a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent is and what they will probably be expected to do during the game. It also lets me mix up the type of mission the agents are assigned over the years, such as tactical investigative or espionage, and mix in more or less superpower more or less superpowers for the adversaries or player characters. It seems to have worked well as the games keep booking up with players wanting more sessions and coming back in subsequent years. always a good sign it is. With- it is with it's. I, I'm just. I'm just thinking about the uh, the TV show, and I'm starting to think. So, does this mean that the premise for the game changes every single year? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you know, it's actually really smart because it allows him to do a variety of different types of games and still yeah, use absolutely. the same structure. I kind of have the same thing with my uh, convention game that I haven't run in a long time with a, called The Freak Show where it's the same cast of characters yeah. and I just rerun them into different um, in different scenarios. And it's oh, yeah, really yeah. smart. It also, his idea of just using a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. You don't have to be a Marvel's nerd boy to know what a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent is. Everybody now has at least a passing idea of like, oh, okay, got it. It's really smart. So a lot of the the groundwork is already laid. You don't have to spend any time at backstory. You could just jump right in. him. That's oh, it's cool. It's okay. a great idea.
1: Yeah. And actually, no, I like I even actually liked the, that, that format for the TV show. That's why I watched it all the way to the end. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a neat thing. It's a very neat thing. It is with this experience. He continues that I felt I should comment on the question from back in season 26, episode 15, asking about how to write better female pre-gen characters for con games. Just like Stu in the group's response at the time, I fully agree you should not write male and female characters. Just write a pregen for the role you need in the game and don't assign a gender. I write my pregens for specific roles, team leader, medic, computer specialist, etc., but the characters only have a last name. The players decide on the first name and gender. Since I run using Savage Worlds, yay. I have enough miniatures to have male or female agents minis for all the player characters as needed. I decided on this method from the beginning of my decision to start convention GMing because most of my home gaming group and convention posse is about half women. The hobby is growing with more and more women playing compared to the old days when only High Gygaxian was spoken. (laughs) It just makes sense to write characters that are roles and let the players pick the characters' genders. So to restate the advice for new convention GMs, write pre-gens that are roles, not genders, and it works out just fine. Um, I actually do this uh, for my con games. Um, I uh, what I'll do is it's it's I'll usually do a thing where I'll give them two first names, uh, two different first names for the player to choose from if they want to choose one, um, or I'll try to pick a gender neutral name, um, uh, or, or and I'll just tell them all the time. You can feel free to change the name into something else if it's if there's nothing there that you want, um, and let them be whatever gender they want to be.
0: Right. Um,
1: so yeah, I do that I, a lot myself. I, I,
0: I like I've gotten to the point now where it's I, I even like leaving like. Personality traits to the players as well, and just basically just give them a block of stats and say whatever the everything else about the character you can kind of figure it out yourself.
2: Yeah, it also gives them a little more ownership.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I try to I try to be vague. Basically, I'll sometimes I'll throw in things that are like vague backstories, but I try to let the players pick key things as mm-hmm. best as they can because that that way. They can actually... Uh, in
2: some you know. some systems, I'm thinking specific, Savage, savage Rules and, and GURPS, the problem is that the stuff in their backstory, which is their flaws and stuff, actually affects the points that they have to buy power. So you kind of have to come up with some of that stuff ahead of time. Like, yeah. for example, in the free show, true. there's a Russian sailor who, one of his disabilities, is illiterate. You know, He just he doesn't read English. He's, he can barely speak it. He speaks it, but he can't read it. So it's, he's got the illiterate flaw because that gives him points for his buy-in. Okay. So that had to be... It, it informs the character because it's a flaw. So, yeah, it doesn't... You can't always do it depending on your system.
1: Yeah, yeah and that's true. He's using Savage Worlds, and that's true of Savage Worlds as well, um, that you've got the, uh, the edges and hindrances where right. you have to kind of pick out some stuff ahead of time with it. Um, I, but I think anywhere where it's... Sometimes if I'll need a hindrance uh, where it lets you pick sort of the specific detail of it, like you're afraid of something or you have a particular... <laughs> Uh, sort of enemy in your backstory, I'll try to let the, I'll have the, the hindrance on the sheet, but I'll let the players sort of tell me, I'll ask him, okay, who is your enemy and uh, why do they want you? You know, that kind of deal right. so that the players can kind of create their own backstory at the table as we're beginning. Um,
2: it, yes, <laughs> that's great. It does give them ownership and it also gives them a, a chance because here's the other thing that solves is that people handed a character sheet don't always read the character sheet all the way through. So if you're letting them pick out some of their own flaws and stuff it forces them to go through and read the whole character sheet all at once. So now, instead of you saying, I think you might have a power that works in this situation, they now already know.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway. Continue. Where were we? Uh, Where am I? Oh god! Um... (laughs) Another piece of advice for the GM, new to convention GMing, is to only run a single game. You can run multiple sessions of the same game if need be. I find this helps first with your prep work. You only need to prep a single game. Offering multiple sessions of the same game lets more players have the opportunity to play. There are limited game slots at any convention, and often players have to choose between conflicting games. Offering your game several times gives players more opportunity to play in it and avoid conflicts. Um, finally, I found that running the same game several times over a convention is interesting for the GM, as different groups often play the, the game much differently, and it gives the GM insight into the differing play styles and problem-solving methods of different players and groups when confronted with an identical scenario.
2: I think I did that once. I think Dave and I ran the same game twice, and it was amazing. The, the completely different feels. Even though it's exactly the same scenario, it's like it, it was completely different games, and it had to do with player choices and player personalities. It was—you would think there'd be some similarity, and it really wasn't. It's like if I had—if I'd had a—if yeah. I'd had you know a dialogue of what happened in the game, you—you you wouldn't know that they were the same game.
1: Yeah, something that I I kind of do... uh, I did once run the same scenario twice at a con, and they came out vastly different, and that was uh, freaking awesome. Um, But the the trick that I use nowadays, though, is what I'll do, is I try to to, to, to cut down on prep time, is I'll only have one game per con that I actually have to prep for, um, that, that it's like a new scenario. Everything else will either be scenarios that I've run before, or uh, zero prep games like you know Fiasco, Inspectors, that kind of deal, uh, so that I, I can just you know uh, throw it down and go, um, which uh, makes it a lot easier for me to kind of put it together. It's all I've got the it's all I've got the bandwidth for at this point is to make one new game per con.
2: I only just run the one game all the time. I think uh, yeah, uh, uh, because I tend to be prop heavy too. I spend an, put all my energy into making little props and stuff, and so that way when I run the one game. You know, I don't have to. <laughs> I'm not worried about eight different props or eight different games. And I'm lazy, like you say. It cuts down on prep.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> All about the lazy GMs. All about the lazy GMs. Huh? Efficient. I'm more efficient. efficient. Yes, efficient. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, shall I continue? Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Um, so, after giving my two cents on convention jamming. I am going to ask for help with a home game. After the success of the convention games, my home game group has expressed interest in running a long-term shield game. I think it works as a setup for a home game, a group of agents with several episodic missions or cases to work, much like the standard police procedural TV shows uh, show works with a case of the week. If that format didn't work, shows like NCIS and CSI wouldn't run for decades with multiple spinoffs, and it is adaptable to RPGs. Now my issue. While planning on a case-of-the-week format, I also wanted to weave in a longer-term mystery for the players to solve. I was thinking of borrowing from the Terminator and 12 Monkeys movie and TV franchises, TV franchises, TV Franchises. (laughs) 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 I'm not sure what a French is, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. Um, That's that's what a
2: French fry is up
0: there.
1: French fry, yeah. Those are the... (laughs) I think he's one
0: of them French.
1: That's in... uh, an Appalachian palm fruit. Uh But uh, <laughs> I'm going to be assassinated the moment the moment I get off this podcast by, by my friends in the mountains. Um, I was thinking of borrowing uh, from the Terminator and Twelve Monkeys movie and TV franchises. Uh, that is, there is some impending apocalypse, and the characters receive information and evidence from the future and need to investigate and act on it to try and stop the catastrophe from happening. Now, my problem. Both examples have characters from the future come back in time. If I have that happen in the game and the character is a PC, it would seem that player really has too much information and will overshadow the other the other PCs. If I make the character an NPC, I am worried about it ultimately becoming the dreaded GM PC because the same reasons. Yeah. Any questions? Uh, thanks for all the great content over the years and keep gaming and have fun, Dave in Washington DC. PS, have a drink and toast to a future when we can get back to in-person games and conventions. Hear, here. Oh.
2: Yes, the dreaded GMPC. You don't want that.
0: I haven't... Go ahead.
2: My, my first thought was, um, in 12 Monkeys, it's already kind of solved because he's only, like, he's only, like, contacting the future briefly for little snippets of information. And the information he has from the future isn't that relevant to where he is now. He only has a general idea of what's going on. So but, if, you, if you play your future right, the guy from the future just know something's wrong but he doesn't know all the, the fine details so he really can't help
0: that much. Well, the, the, I mean, the 12 Monkeys specifically, they're going back into the past to figure out what happened. They don't know. That's right. one of the, one of the big yeah. conceits of that, that's the series and the TV show is the fact that they know there was a disease but they want to figure out where it started. That's, that's what they're, they're, there's. There's a gap in their information that they need to get.
2: They have some details. They kind of have a general area. They kind of have some I, some rumors and some. You know, because it happened so long ago, they don't have concrete stuff. So some of the information that your that your Pearson from the future comes to give might not be complete. So it's not. It's like even if they go back and ask him, he's like, "Look, I I told you everything I know, and I'm sorry."
0: And their That's time the information I have their time travel tech is is shitty. Yeah, Because it's inaccurate, they don't know how long you're going to be gone, they don't know if they're sending you back to the right place or not, and the people they're sending aren't the most stable people there are.
2: Right. (laughs) The other solution you could use is like, uh, your time traveler needs to hide out, because he can't affect what goes on in the past too much. He needs to be very careful about what he does and where he does. So you could just have him, like, hold up in an apartment. It's like, and they, if they have to go find him, they have to go stop what they're doing and go and talk to the guy. Because he's like, if I go out there in the world and I start doing stuff, I could ostensibly erase my existence. (laughs) So. That's fair. I need to be here. Um, And the other thing as a solution I was thinking of is bring in another guy to play that PC for briefly, you know? And and have another player just uh, play that person, and maybe he's a co GM as well, so he's privy to some of the info. But that way, it'll solve the whole GM PC on your end, and yeah. it, it allows uh, a different take on maybe one of the player characters with that without it being the same person.
1: That sounds uh, that sounds good to me as far as that uh, kind of thing goes. It can be tricky, I know that if you have it as a as a player character um, to to to. Strike a balance because even if you have it where they don't know what's going on and it's an investigative thing, which I, I dig that. Um, then uh, and and I know specifically in Twelve Monkeys there were memory issues too. So I mean, it's, right. you don't necessarily have like a huge command of the future future knowledge necessarily. Um, the thing is, it can be hard for that piece, hard to strike a balance where that PC is not going to become like team leader, um, sort of by default. As it's like you know, if they sort of always are leaning on the this is in the future, we have to do this, and uh, sort of it's it's always good to inject a certain sense of urgency, but sometimes if it's all coming from one player, that can uh, that can sometimes get a little tricky. So I I feel like you have to you have to be careful with that. I like I, I like the idea of having just as an NPC that's only there part of the time um, that they can only provide information, can't go out, or like someone in the chat is saying here. Um, that uh, just have the messenger from the future die from wounds already received as they get the info. Um, uh, The other thing
2: is that in both Terminator and 12 Monkeys, the people get sent back in the past, but they don't really have a plan. They have to sort of make it up as they go. They have information, a little bit. I mean, the Terminator knows that he has to kill John Connor. He doesn't know where he is, doesn't know what he looks like. He only has a vague idea of what's going on, right? And the same with 12 Monkeys. He sends him back, and he knows that the that the disease outbreak started in this city. But they don't know who had it, how it happened, all that stuff. So even, even if your time traveler comes back, you can make them not really have a plan. So they're not even that powerful. It's not like we need to go do this thing because of because of reasons. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we're supposed to do. Here's what I know. We need to stop this. And I don't know how to do that. So your time traveler can be just as inept and and, and not a deus machina as your players. are just the they're just the the catalyst. They're like, I need you to stop this thing that's happening. This MacGuffin is gonna happen at this time and that's all I know. Good luck.
0: I, I I was thinking a way to solve a lot of the kind of potential problems he's talking about is not have them be a time traveler. Rather than having the ability to allow someone to go back in time, maybe they can only communicate with people in the past. And maybe it's a, a, still a real sketchy uh, technology. So it's like mm-hmm. we can send you a message backwards in time somehow. Maybe we can send something... That or or we can send something that you can find or maybe we can send back a you know a, a, an audio file or a video file or something um, or we can send data. Maybe it gets corrupted. Maybe we can only do it at certain times. You know, maybe the, everything has to be aligned right before it can happen. Whatever whatever it is, that way you've. That way you're not because obviously the problem is if this is an NPC, it's going to be like, what do we do next, boss? What the? We, we played a game. It was Champions. Bill Bill ran it back when we were just out of college, and uh, <clears> this <throat> is a game I played. Doc, uh, Oppenheimer in the sort of psychotic nuclear vigilante, and one of the characters, the character I actually had the big conflict with, was he was a soldier i think his backstory was real mysterious because it it was one of those things that was going to get played out during the course of the the adventure or the course of the campaign and he had um but he was wearing powered armor so but he's some from somewhere in the future and he came back here for a specific reason obviously he's not going to talk about it because it's going to contaminate the timeline Blah 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 but he was here for a very specific reason and he, and I, remember, I can't remember who it was, but his character was obsessed with some celebrity who was going to become critically important to the fate of the world. But it, I can't.
2: Uh, Camilla Anderson?
0: No, I think this is before Baywatch. Camilla
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anderson. Before
0: <Anderson. laughs> it. But, 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 but like, like Jim was saying, by default, his character became the leader of the group because he had knowledge that none of the rest of us had well if you want to avoid that situation don't have the character come back so they come they send you a message urgently and maybe they they give you enough information about the future or about you know personal information about the characters that you say well how the hell does this guy know all this stuff he must you know you, you want to be able to verify their the fact that they're they're actually contacting you from the future or maybe that's part of that maybe that's part of the game is that you don't really know for sure that they are you just kind of think they are i don't know but, but i also, like the idea of removing them from the, the storyline per se that that gives the gm a lot more control so they don't end up becoming a deus ex machina that will solve everything for them
2: if, if it sounds like he wants to make this one of the pcs it's like if this is going to be a pc he's going to be a frail old man by the time he comes back so he may very well die or just be So frail and useless, it's not like he can go out, you know, jumping through windows with you guys. So he's,
0: or it could be maybe a descendant. He can make it a descendant,
2: right? That's true. Um, In in piggybacking off what you say, dude, it's like again with Terminator and Twelve Monkeys. Twelve Monkeys, they were able to communicate with the future by leaving like a message at like a, like a. Yeah,
0: he called a safe. He called a number. Right, that they were able.
2: And then they would answer back, but it was not, it was always cryptic and it wasn't very good, and the information that they had wasn't always that useful. So, but with Terminator, it was a one way trip. He just, they just dropped him off, and so he, there was no information going back and forth. He just had a mission to accomplish, and I, it seems like that, that solves your problems in that you don't, you're not getting any new information, that your, your character is always is just there starts the thing and then that's the only information that they have. You don't need to worry about him coming unless unless that's part of your plan is to is to get information for the future. You don't have to worry about spoiling your game or, or trying to determine the outcome of your game ahead of time with information from the future because they've already they've dropped back with a set of ideas and that's it. They're done and they don't have any more information to, to share right. it's in both 12 Monkeys and Terminator and a couple other time travel games unless you're Doctor Who where you can go back and forth and travel anywhere then you're in trouble
0: um you know it's I tr- you know what time travel games you're asking for a major ass headache if you have a game that's got actual time travel that the players have access to yeah
1: That that becomes an entirely different kind of game at that point. Yeah. You're no longer playing Terminator or 12 Monkeys at that point. You're playing something completely different.
2: I was going to point out something that Stu has been doing recently in the Vampire game, in that we have a character that does Premonition. And she's able to see into the future some events that are going to happen in the future. So it forces Stu, unfortunately, to come up with possible scenario solutions that may actually happen in, in the situation. And he's nailed it a couple of times. Like... Uh, absolutely, but it but it, it there is a way to do it without breaking the game. I mean, Sam Sam will have a British, and what's happening, and then Stu has to recreate that situation to get the players there. It's pretty cool. It's actually a so lot easier
0: to cool. do than you think it is because the so players. Yeah, because it's a, it's creating a a, um, a self fulfilling prophecy because I mean it, it's a game where everyone's contributing to the narrative. So if I say oh, you know, there's a scene where you see this and it's at this sort of a place and this thing happens. Everyone's like, oh, we need to go find that place. So they make it happen. <laughs> unless it's something horrible and then they're like, oh, we're never going to go there.
2: <laughs> I bring that up because it's a way to make your, your time traveler give them information. And as you, as you point out, Stu, the, the players are going to actively want to go and make that situation happen. Right. So, unless it's awful. <laughs> unless it's truly really awful. Um, so it
0: may not be that big a deal. Um, yeah. It, it, it actually, is, that that hasn't been hard. The, the hard part for me is is every time I've, I've run a game where there's actual time travel in the game, it ends up becoming a freaking nightmare. Because you've got to, people going back. Because player characters, I mean, think about what player characters do in the world without time travel. They burn <laughs> shit down. They torture people. They go break shit. Oh, we got evidence here, and so, no, let's clean up the evidence. Go get some bleach. Oh no, what do you need bleach for? Here's some gasoline. We'll just blow it up, right? That's what player characters do. Can you imagine what you do when you give them a time machine? What the havoc they're going to wreak? It's terrible. They're like, uh, what? Uh, what paradoxes, fuck it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to do the whole. I'm from an alternate timeline, a, a, a possible future. So, oh what yeah, gonna do here it's going to completely rewrite time. So. Um, I mean that's yeah, co- yeah, that's no.
0: and that's always the point of why these time travelers go back to the past they don't they want time to change they want things to 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 not be the same right I mean that's their right. that's kind of their whole point.
1: I've seen uh, one or two examples of it. Kind of, uh, there's a gumshoe game called Time Watch where I've uh, I've 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 not played it myself, but I've seen actual plays of it, and it's it's played for laughs. It's a uh, it's a comedy game, mm-hmm. and so you 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 know you have basically Ben Franklin interacting with velociraptors type deal, that type <laughs> of time <shopping laughs> game. Um, and so that uh, the that, that that one I think it kind of works, in just for its own purpose, and the, the point is to just go around chaotically and be silly. Um, I did once, uh, years ago, I ran a uh, a short campaign uh, decades ago that I I based on time bandits uh, somewhat, where the players didn't really have much control over where they were going. They just sort of knew when the next gateway was going to open up. And so they just bounced randomly from time period to time period. And I I, I think that kind of thing can work. Um, But yeah, you have to... If you're going to give the players control over time travel, then you have to... You have to be prepared for it to just basically be a, a very different thing.
2: <laughs> and, yes, I, and I would recommend getting rid of the butterfly effect altogether because if you start, if what the players are doing affects what happens in the future, you, that's when you get fucked. If you could just make whatever they do is sort of inconsequential, at least the minor things, then you're not you're not going to. Paint yourself into yeah. a corner,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, much better to go with the shrub theory than the donut theory when you're dealing with the space-time continuum. Just uh, have have multiple branching timelines that's that right. are perfectly yeah. safe on their own. Don't that's right. don't don't make going back change anything because oh. that's that's going to open up a an entire world of pain.
2: Well, you want to you want to be able to give them the satisfaction of changing some things, but nothing yeah. too dramatic,
1: right? Well, yeah, I mean it changes for you because you're now in this new yeah. timeline, but right. right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. You're not going to disappear. <laughs> right.
0: All right. Good advice. Uh, yeah. uh, Vampire of the Masquerade versus. Uh, th- thank you, Dave from Washington for the email. Uh, Vampire of the Masquerade versus L Five R Clans from Jolene. Hey, presumably Stu and the presumable crew. Jolene, formerly known as Joe Crack, here in from the Discord, though not active. In past years, I have a question, or maybe just an observation, based on an email on command structure in games. So, I discovered y'all through your initial games of Legend of the Five Rings, and I believe, over the years, I recall Stu saying how he either can't fathom running a game where all the PCs come from different clans, or just hasn't done it, or maybe thinks it would be more difficult. I, I actually. Find have difficult time understanding how it would work, because we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I'm just uh, pretty sure it hasn't really happened in all the L5R games run, but I could be wrong. Now, I've never played, va- played Vampire, I have no interest in World of Darkness, and I know you played it, but sorry, didn't listen, just don't care that much about the setting. So, were all the vampires in that game from the same clan?
2: Uh Uh,
0: because from what little I know about one game and what I know about the other, both games seem to have similar premises in that regard. I could be wildly wrong. I just am more familiar with L5R PCs being from different clans with uh, all different objectives, perfectly willing to manipulate the others so their clan is in a more favorable position on top of whatever other threat they have to deal with. Is Vampire similar to that? Anyway, hope thing th- there's some I- enjoyable discussion from this, and hope you all stay safe. Joe, they them. You I, know, I, I bring I up a very good since point. I smooth. got this email, I've been thinking about it, because clans in L5R and clans in uh, Vampire Empire. are different. They're not they the though? same thing, because they're different because clans in vampire are your classes
2: yeah but in in Legend of the Fine Rings, it's the same kind of thing you have these schools that you can only get in certain clans
0: no almost every clan has a oh, Bishi anyway. school yeah. a Shugenja school and a courtier school so you're it's n- it's not they're not your they're not so- your your class
2: but every vampire clan can build a malex type, or a yes, you're right. The gangrel are are going to be t- the the right. better. At the, the, yeah,
0: it's no. not. You're not. You're not pigeonholed. You have. There's different things you can do, and you know you're given th- three disciplines with whatever clan you're in 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 vampire. So you can whichever one you concentrate in is going to define what your character does mechanically. At least I think. But, I mean, I still
2: think there's enough similarity there that it's. I mean, it's really it's a razor thin margin for me because, like, yes, there are certain, certain definitely certain clans in Vampire that are better at, say, mangrove or uh, like uh, melee, like the sure, or the, or the Brujar, and then yeah. Right, and then in L5R, there's definitely some clans that are better swordsmen than other clans. That yes, there different is different aspects of cool it, sure, yeah. But
0: well, but I mean, like, like like the Crane are would be known for dueling. Right. The, the, their, their their particular bushi school is, that's kind of what it concentrates on.
2: But, uh, yes. And, but depending on, you know, if you want to do more, let's say you want to do more hand-to-hand combat, you would pick a certain clan for that character. You know what I'm saying? And same as you would with Vampire. You'd pick a certain clan for that character if you wanted to do more hand-to-hand oriented combat.
0: Right, well, I mean, like, when, when we ran our L5R game, because the thing, to me... And I think this is the biggest difference between... F- first off, the clan in L5R doesn't necessarily determine what your character can and can't do.
2: Yes, that's true.
0: It does in in Vampire. Vampire, yes. But I think <clears throat> clans as a political entity are very different between those two games.
1: Yeah.
0: Because L5R clans... Those are almost like nations that make up sort of the child nations of a larger empire. And they have wars with each other and shit. They are like they are political entities that are separated from each other and sometimes are hostile to each other. Whereas in vampire your political structure of society will include many clans, even though there is a, is a sort of substructure within a particular princedom or whatever where you're going to have, you know, your different primogen and then you have, you know, your your clan people do sort of...
2: Depending on which edition you're playing, because there were some editions earlier a World of Darkness where two clans actively hated each other. They had oh, yeah, history. sure. Oh, no, yeah,
0: there's absolutely rivalries and stuff like that. But I don't, Tom, I'm going with Old World because that's what I know more. I know New World has clans and then you also have... I can't remember oh, yeah. what they call them. Uh,
1: covenants, I think.
0: Covenants, yeah. Which is sort of like your political alliance. So you have your clan, which is what you do. And then the then the other other thing is like wh- where you kind of fit politically in the world. But I mean, that, one of the reasons that I've always run crane games is not because the crane are my favorite clan, because they're not, um, is because I've have difficulty it's almost like if you were going to have a dnd party where you're going to have okay i want to play you know a human cleric i want to play an elf wizard i'm going to play a, a halfling thief oh and joe over here wants to play you know a chaotic evil uh, bugbear barbarian it's like you don't mix monsters and player and 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 characters that go into dungeons together it's and and that's the kind of the level of animosity I think of when I think of L5R clans. I mean, if you have a crane... Well, fuck. If you have a scorpion and and a crab, the chances of them getting along is very, very, very slim.
2: See, you may not be remembering, but I remember there was a lot of of, of clan combat or uh, conflict within our vampire game because of... You know, the ventrue hate the Gangro or look down on them. Sure. Um, or the or uh, for take for example Scully the Nosferatu who always felt picked on and always felt um, and his it was almost like clan came first for him rather than than his coterie.
0: Oh, see, I think I think that is more Scully came first for him. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, perhaps it's that, better. One but the... there's a lot of games where people play clan first, coterie second. So that the political machinations are more important to them than what? Then their actual like group of vampires that are together, and it's, I think with, it, you get that L five R a lot as well. That's part of that whole court and you know. But it's a it's a little less. It's a little more stylized because it's, you know, it's Japanese culture, so everything's much more polite than vampire. But I still see those conflicts happening within parties because of multiple clans. Uh,
1: I, I think uh, so I played vampire for like a decade or more, um, and I played Old World and New World. Um, and um, I'm not I, I have not played L5R before I did I, I have uh, I listened to your uh, initial uh, actual play of uh, your, your initial campaign your, uh, that you had mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, I think that the, the way that sort of the default assumption in Vampire is that everyone's going to be playing a different clan um, by and large for most games I, you can totally play in a game where everyone's playing the same vampire clan I've done that before Uh, But it's, uh, I think that the the way that the different layers of society are structured in Vampire, it's, uh, you've got a little bit more immediately to worry about, since you're all in the same city interacting with each other um, on on these different levels. You've got also the, the, the city politics is a big deal. Um, that kind of overshadows, especially in Old World of, of Darkness, but I, this is actually kind of in both, that, that will often uh, uh, take precedence over everything else, mm-hmm. uh, the way a lot of people play it. Um, you can totally play a vampire game where you want to switch the emphasis up and make it very much about you know internal stuff to the clans. But... Um, and you know, clan interclan conflict is still totally a thing, even in the even in the even in just when you're uh, when when you've got the, uh, the the city politics going on. But I, I feel like with uh, just from what L five R I've seen um, that uh, everything is a little more removed uh, from each other. The clans have, have are easier to separate out from each other in terms of you know just physically by distance. They uh, they they have their own. Their own bases, and while you do have, say, the Premier have a base in the city and vampire, um, and you know, the, you know, everyone, you know, each clan maybe has their own place where they ha- hang out. You know, Nosferatu have the sewers, etc., cetera. Um, I, I think it, it's all much closer together, yeah. Uh, and and so you've got a much bigger level of interaction that I think you have to deal with and so that that I think is why it's more mixed up. Uh, there, there's there's more mixing between the uh, the various coins I'm not saying
2: there aren't differences and you're right you're, it, certainly with l5R like the crab have their own lands but the crabs also have a job on the wall I, I remember Stu had a, had a great he played great crabs and he was like well we're march the wall <laughs> and stop the uh, and stop the, the just like we always do <laughs> people suck and and you know <laughs> and, and he's right. Man, it was a great take on the crab. Um, you're right. L5R, I guess you could play it that way. Uh, it, I mean, Vampire, you could play it that way where each clan has a, a large chunk of land. You know, maybe I don't know, the, the Ventru control all of New York. But uh, you're right. You know, a lot of times it's multiple clans in the city and they only have little pockets, little areas. And so it's, it's a, it's. a it's, but it, to my mind, it's just L5R on a micro scale. It's like neighborhoods or communities or sections. Instead of having lands, you have Orange County. <laughs> you know the venture control all of orange county that's their land and it's it could be played exactly the same way and I, I, there are differences but to my mind they're not that vast i find i still find uh like if we were to play a vampire game where everybody's the same clan it would be a much different game If everybody'd be getting along better it would it would be streamlined and, and the focus i think would be much more external like how do we stop this thing because what happens in both games when you have different clans is they end up the players end up fighting with each other and have different conflicting interests more than the actual plot. And Stu, we did that with L Five R. We had the second version where everybody was from a different clan, and what happened? It got derailed, and I, I think part of that is because of clan interests. Because I remember Tyler wanted to play. as a lion that got. That's right. A we did the
0: second. The yeah, the second iteration we did. You guys. Well, you still crying. Yeah. Because I ended I up with
2: my with my Katsuni mage, and oh, well, that's Tyler's, right. Because you're playing
0: descendants of other of, of of characters from the first game, but everybody ended up in different clans, right? Like, right. You see, and that and that's I mean, to me, if you're if you're like, and, and I guess this is probably sort of the assumption for L five R, because I mean, it, it is meant to be played with all the players playing different clans, but you're usually like part of some some sort of you're working for some sort of magistrate or something and you're working for the greater empire usually there's a, there's a, if it's a, a meant to be a cooperative game you're there, you've been brought together <clears throat> by a higher power to come in and solve a mystery or do whatever it is you're supposed to do and the and you're uh, but you're also all representatives of your clan in that and you're and you're one of the reasons you're there is to bring honor to your clan and maybe you know screw the other guy while you're at it
2: and isn't that sort of the conceit of vampire though as well
0: well that uh, well it, the in the conceit of vampire it's that but less subtle because you're all playing solitary predators
2: I, that's I one agree. of the, I
0: mean that's what that's the to me that's the biggest difference you're not playing you're playing monsters in Vampire. Yeah, but in broad strokes. <laughs> it
2: strokes, it's still very, very similar. You've still got a lot of, of inter-clan conflict
0: involved in both games. See, if, but if I... If, 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 I I would look at clans in L5R... If I was going to try to find an analogy in Vampire, I would look more at, um, like, Camarilla versus Sabat versus... You know what I mean? It's that 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 that's where I see the that's where I see it. It's more of a it's more of a they're like they're, I mean clans in L five R are nations. They are they have borders. They have their own lands, and they go and kick the shit out of each other occasionally when they get pissed off. That's one of the weird things about L five R is you have this emperor who's all powerful, but can't stop the the lion and the crane from
1: going to war. <laughs>
0: Because them's love to
1: fight. <laughs> I, I gotta say though also with a lot of the vampire games that I've played in, um, because and it, and again it varies depending on play style. But the way a lot sure. of people do play vampire, and the way to a certain extent later iterations of it started leaning, mm-hmm. um, especially for when you do it in 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 LARPs. Uh, is that it's really not so much is that by and large what an individual vampire wants is going to outweigh for them what their clan wants. Um, it's going to be very much an "I want power for me and I will I, I will do whatever I must to get it" type deal. Yep. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily always mean you do what's in the best interest of your clan. Uh, <coughs> as, uh, and sort of acting with them. It's really more about um, I. I need to continue feeding, I, or I need to uh, I, I need to uh, attain control over these other people so that I be, may become more powerful. Um, right. The "I want to be prince of the city one day" type deal. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of a, it can be a really major overpowering thing for some players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, Vampire to an extent, eventually got built to handle. I think, or to try to. <laughs> They tried to build vampires to handle the uh, that, that more kind of inter character conflict uh, type deal. Um, whether that was successful or not, I can't really uh, I can't really comment because I've I've seen it done well and I've seen it done poorly. So well, Stu nailed
2: it. I mean, vampires are solitary predators, so it's like you've got a whole group of cats.
1: Right. Each one
2: of them. Each one of them has its own interest, its own self interest that comes first, and then after that, there's just the rest of the coterie.
0: Yeah, I mean, some, sometimes sometimes they'll all sit on the couch and be, behave. Other times, one will be sitting on the couch, and other one will walk up and they'll get, start hissing at each other.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Solitary and, predators.
0: And you can't tell why. You don't know why. They know why, but you don't know. Um, somebody, uh, you're
1: going to sit in a room together for an hour and stare at each other. It's you know, like, <laughs> Really a vampire game, right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's back how when, I imagine
2: the vampire larks to work. When, that's, that's how a lot of
1: them do <laughs> <laughs> i played Vampire the Staring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Vaklin 23 in the chat room says, I, I've always played it at the emperor. he's talking about L5R. Um, uh, doesn't want to stop them from fighting, talking about the... Uh, the, the clans warring with each other keep the clans busy squabbling among themselves and they don't uh, turn their attention to the throne right when, and also the, the reason maybe the the scorpion clan even exists and again, is with, to be with the, the foil game, right? same,
2: same kind of thing you know, if, uh, if the clans are busy fighting amongst themselves and busy with their own lo- conflicts co- co- they're not worried about overthrowing and taking ah, over
0: the you just came up with an amazing way to run a to, to run a, a vampire game using the L5R politics
2: <laughs> okay, and like, so that takes me the back prince, to what I'm saying. The like, prince is I don't the see emperor. That much of
0: the
2: <laughs> in broad strokes, oh, they're sure, you, very, can, very
0: you can run them. In, you can run them any way you want. I'm just yeah. talking about kind of what the what I think the assumption is. So. Alright. Uh any more on that one? Are we done with that one? I don't know. There's, going there's a dead horse here, I think we've it is. Uh, Okay. <laughs> we <can laughs> kicked the shit out of it. <laughs> a horror story from Anonymous. You want to <laughs> read that one short? Oh.
2: Hey, Happy Jackers, an anonymous listener writing in with a tale of tabletop terror. There needs to be some theme music to that one. That was awesome.
0: Um, let's see what I got. I think <laughs> I have a, I have an, an ominous laugh. Do you
2: have like the, the tale of tabletop terror? <laughs> you have pipe organs. That? That's right.
0: I know. Can you guys hear the soundboard? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I heard that, yeah. Oh, wait. Hold on.
2: All right, I'll say it again, and then you hit the button. Here we go. Hey, Happy Jackers. Hey, Happy Jackers. An anonymous listener writing in with a tale of tabletop terror. See, that's that's (laughs) solid radio right there. About a year ago, I was playing in a d d 5th edition game, horrifying in itself, I know, with my regular gaming group. This group consisted of my roommate as the GM and a group of mutual friends and acquaintances. As well as our newest player, who we will call Torquemada, for reasons that will become apparent. Torquemada was the newest addition to our group, a friend of a player who is a friend of the GM. And he was playing an incredibly old, lawful good cleric. He's been with the group for maybe three or four sessions, and so far has been fairly unremarkable, both as a player and a character. That changed when the party captured a scout. Oh,
1: from guess what I just invading
2: empire hold on a in second. the wilds after killing the rest of the scout's advanced party.
0: Guess what I yeah. just I just looked up who, who's Torquemada. Yeah.
2: Oh, you had to go look it up. Yeah, the Inquisition, Tomaso, the, the Inquisition,
0: Tomaso Torquemada.
2: Right? Hey, what do you say?
0: Castilian Dominican friar and first grand inquisitor of Spain's movement to homogenize religious practices with those of the Catholic Church in the late 15th century, otherwise known as the Spanish Inquisition.
1: Nobody expects it. (laughs) (laughs) Torquemada. You can't talk him out of anything. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. (laughs) At least you know your
2: Billboard's movies. I appreciate
1: that. Uh, Torquemada
2: decides we need to get information out of the scout. Okay, we all know. (laughs) We've all had to to have even done this. I regret to say. The rest of the party figures that sure, why not get an idea of what the invader is up to? That's when things start to go very, very wrong. Torquemada Starts by casting the spell Zone of Truth, which didn't exist back when we were playing DD, I don't think, because otherwise I would have used it all the time. I've
0: never heard of it. Which,
2: which means that the prisoner cannot intentionally lie after a failed save, and the caster knows if the subject passed or failed. Simple, straightforward, to the point. That's when Torquemada's character opens up his pack and pulls out a collection of knives and bladed implements. Uh, I will spare you the gory details beyond saying that the following five minutes involved fingernails, toenails, and sharp implements used by someone who couldn't actually lie. Or used on someone. Yeah, used on someone who couldn't actually lie. The rest of the party watched in horrified silence as the GM and the lawful good cleric role-played out the rest of the torture scene. Of the six players at the table, at least half of us would have slapped the X-Card if they'd known they, had, they existed or had been present. But alas, that was not the case. The session derailed afterwards, and the group expressed extreme discomfort with the proceedings and utter bewilderment as to why a servant of a lawful good deity was going about doing unspeakable things to people's phalanges. Torquemada saw no incongruity with this lawful good character, Taking these actions.
0: He's the bad
2: guy. This is how we keep them from doing bad things. Regardless to say, the group and even the GM, though reluctantly, disagreed, and loss of divine power and redemption arc were eventually settled upon. The true horror story is that I stayed far beyond that incident, <laughs> whether for friendship's sake or the desperation of only having one reliable gaming group breeds. I can't say. P.S. it later came to light that Torquemada scores high on the psycho psychopathy, psychopathy tests, and despite the horror story of my chosen alias for him, he's actually a decent guy. He just has a hard time with empathy in certain situations. Um, yeah. I, I would love to say that I've never been in a group that didn't torture some cobalt scout for information. I would love to say that I've never been the guy that tortured the cobalt
1: scout for information.
2: But that would be a lie. But I will say we never role played out the gory details of torturing the cobalt scout that 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 gets just salacious i think at some point you know the
1: only thing i can think of here that might even be that make any of it make sense and this is probably not even the case here and by make sense i don't mean justified (laughs) uh but is that uh I, i think zone of truth doesn't actually compel the person to answer um, it just basically means that if they do say something, whatever they say has to be the truth, if I remember right. So maybe it was just trying to get them to talk. In but at well, the this same time, role this it little, out? yeah, no, well, no, nope. nope. Then
2: that be role played out. I mean, yeah, that's that's where that's where you start crossing some lines, you know. If where you're it's going like...
1: with the fantasy that torture works in the first place, then
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: You're,
1: right. You you, well, I think you, it, you, you 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 veil that you don't. Yeah. It depend, I mean, it <laughs> depends.
0: It depends on the stakes. Torture could work if, like, it's something that you know, it, if it's not going to mean your life or the lives yeah. of others. Like, what's the what's your locker combination? I'm going to torture you. Oh, here it here it is. It depends on what it's the just, stakes the
1: person in the has involved.
2: In the same way, unless you're playing fatal, you don't play out a love scene. You don't role play out your love scene. You do in fatal. Why do you play out a torture <laughs>
1: scene?
0: Exactly.
2: I, it, I, I'm having I'm, I'm a hard time sort of understanding. <laughs> really, yeah, but I, I guess that's the point of it. That's why it's a horror story and not a hey. Here's how you play it: of <laughs> an interrogation scene.
0: You know what'd be nice if role playing games they have their you know their disadvantages or drawbacks. Have one that's called not a murder hobo. So, you can just put it on a character sheet. My character is not a murder hobo, which means if I see crimes being committed, I'm going to call cops. If I, I'm, not, I'm not going to get involved in a situation unless necessarily there's no other choice for the matter. And things like that. Are, I'm not going to burn houses down to conceal evidence. I'm torture game, criminals. It's the
2: whole game in itself. It's like the anti-munchkin.
0: Right. No, it's
2: called Not Murder Hobos. And, and basically you play an ordinary person that who calls the cops and uh, doesn't carry a weapon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and is polite The new everyone. wave game, the, the slice of life, life game where the objective is to go to the grocery store and pick up something. <laughs>
2: right. And be polite and nice to everyone. And try not to get complex. Wait a minute. That's my life. <laughs>
1: I mean, you can do it in Fate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Of course.
0: Yeah,
2: because there's nothing more depressing than building yourself in, like, savage worlds and you realize how inept and stupid you really are.
1: <laughs>
2: Try it someday. Oh, okay. I think I have a high intelligence, and everybody at the table is like, no.
0: Yeah, no, you don't. We, we, we had, that, we had that, that fight when we built our, our own ourselves into GURPS characters when I, in the 90s, or in the eight, oh, late man. 80s. That was so funny. Your IQ is at 13. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm smarter than all you guys. How dare you?
2: It's like building yourself in Sims and then watching your characters die a miserable existence because... Exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, I'm a pathetic person. My Sim, that's me, died. Shit. I gotta change my life.
0: <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think about the the lawful good versus uh, torturing prisoner thing? Is that justifiable? I mean, I mean, as far as do you see where that is that an, an automatic inconsistency to you?
2: Yes, again, I, and I have very strong views on on um, clerics and paladins and such being tools for their gods, right? And if their god has doctrine, say against, I don't know, say orcs, like I mean, perhaps Pelinor, the the dwarvish. God has an actual vendetta against, orcs. I don't know the lore that well. Perhaps in certain cases, in racial, they, they call them that, um, they, you know, that's a terrible thing, but they would have villains or, or, or monsters that were especially repugnant to that particular religion, perhaps in those cases, but uh, for the most part, I mean, especially if it's lawful good, and then they did, to their credit, role play out the fact that he lost his clerical powers, right. because he has yeah. breached the contract that he has with his with his god. My take on on religion is that you need to look at each god and their their where they fit in their pantheon. Because if you are worshiping the god of mischief, for example, like Loki, you can get away with a lot more than you can if you're worshiping, you know, the happy sky man.
0: Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> happy Skyman isn't uh, isn't that it depends I
0: guess right right, um, yeah, right well
1: I mean if you're talking about the that's real what's I mean, making him happy I think that's really right. the easy <laughs> and, and that's the thing right you know
2: and, and again if you were to do too many nice things under a, under a Loki worshiper he might pull your powers you're like you're not creating enough chaos you're actually going around you cannot be give food to orphans that's not what I do. <laughs> I make orphans. I don't give. I don't help them out. So I'm taking your powers away until you get to be more chaotic. That's my take on on people working for various gods. Is that you have to actually look at the tenets of your god and follow them and be more aligned to what your that god's uh, personality is like within their pantheon.
1: Does that make sense? I, I, yeah, I kind of agree that uh, to um, it, it does depend on how sort of the the god views things, especially if it's like in. Uh, most D and D worlds that I'm aware of, the god is actually like right there in some way, um, and, and not in all of them. There are plenty of them where the gods are more distant. But um, I think, to an extent, if you're if you're treating alignment as like a universal force per planar alignment thingies, um, however they however they do you know, they're the more cocky thing, I guess. Um, then uh, then yeah, I, I'd I'd say that. Uh, it does. It is dependent on what your god thinks of as good or bad. I will say that I have. Uh, I I played in a game once, where a uh, game of D D once where the, the DM uh, was was very specific about saying that evil actions taken against evil NPCs are still considered evil actions, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. are are still considered in that way when it comes to you know judgment of your alignment and whether or not you're having, you know, you're having issues with that. Um, and we, th- there were a lot of arguments actually at the table about that, because I think we had some people who ha- were, ki- were kind of more absolutists when it came to uh, sort of the idea that if you, it's okay to, uh, it's okay to murder bad guys type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, circumstances, right. Uh, but uh, I, I, yeah, I, I tend to agree that uh, myself, that um, if, if, Everything you do, uh, in the least bit that it, that, that you want to, and at least invoke the, at least this much tiny bit of realism in a game. Uh, everything that you do affects you as as well as affecting whoever you're doing it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you torture someone, that is going to take a toll on you, one way or the other. Yes,
2: there mean, should be repercussions. Yeah,
1: there should there there should be. Uh, something that uh, that that happens as a result of that even if it's subtle
0: a humanity mechanic like you have in vampire
1: okay so and bringing the,
2: I was waiting cuz he, he, what you said sparked something in my mind I mean you, in some cases this can bring us back to the whole clan um uh, idea in that if your cleric of pelinor runs into a cleric of pelinor's arch enemy the orc god they're going to want to fight because they have diametrically opposed views. Their god doesn't like their god. It's a long-standing tradition. The two would would actually come to blows or try to have war with each other. They're not going to get along. And they would do, you know, because their god would say, again, remember, the god is actually granting them the powers and, and is at least watching them to see, you know, they, it doesn't just hand them out and ignore them. You, you watch them to see if they're doing what they want to do. And so I, I would think that they would feel pressure to, not get along with this cleric of of the god that their god hates. You know what I mean? But again, that's a real kind of specific kind of case. And then you have the alignment to contend with as well. So if you're still dealing with a god who is quote unlawful good god, and you're running into a chaotic evil cleric, uh, wh- what's what's the relationship there? How do you how do you handle that? Is is even though he's a chaotic evil cleric worth you know, does it sacrifice your lawful goodness for not turning the other cheek? I don't know. Again, I, that's when I start looking at the tenets of the gods, and regardless of all of that, when all is said and done, I'm still not going to roleplay out a torture scene.
0: No. <laughs> Good point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd I probably X-card or N-card it as, as soon as, that's, as, soon as that's, that started coming out, as soon as someone started describing that. Exactly. I, you know. That's the That's the egregious part right
0: there. Yeah. Is, is yeah, I don't think I've I don't think i ever done that. I mean, there, there have been things that I'm going to torture him until I get the answer I need. I, yeah, mean, I, I, I remember interrupts. that happening in a game. But I don't I ever remember. And then maybe roll. There's like, I'm going to roll my interrogation skill versus, right. you know, will or whatever and figure out who won. The,
2: that's the way that needs to get handled for yeah. the, in the future, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he actually had a whole bag of torture implements. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, that's I mean. Don't you think that all of the priests during the Spanish Inquisition thought they were lawful good? That's kind of Absolutely. my point in asking yeah.
2: that. Uh, I, I, no, I completely get that, and everybody, you know, everybody thinks what they're doing is right, you know. And a lot of a lot of terrible things have been done in the name of good ideas or what you know, whatever. It's a sliding scale, but boy, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> do you, you really want to start introducing that into your games? And if you do, do you really want to role play every one of those encounters out? No, right. Please
0: don't. <laughs> All right. Uh, that, is, that is it. Thank you, Anonymous. Big fan of your uh, many works.
2: Yeah, I love a lot of his music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and call it. Where's my, oh, can I, can I play that anymore? <laughs> yeah. Speaking there's, of Anonymous. There's been so many different <laughs> things that have been happening online with regard to copyright and Twitch.
2: Well, and and, and YouTube.
0: yeah. I'm, Uh, You know, I'm going to play it.
2: (laughs) This might be the only time... Sorry? I'm just saying, since you're playing it now, this might be the only time people get a chance to see the episode before the copyright
0: pulls it down. (laughs) Thank you for joining us Season 27, (laughs) Episode 17 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Stork. Jim. And thank you very much. We'll see you next week, Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. happyjacksorg slash live. Until then, stay safe.
2: Thanks, guys. Farewell.
0: Farewell! Thank you.
2: The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire.
0: Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make. Welcome to Costco. I love you.